0: Hello, hello, Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzger. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Brain, just like everybody expected, the Miami Dolphins went to Denver and got punched in the mouth by the Denver Broncos and their five-game winning streak comes to an end as the Dolphins lose on the road in Denver 20-13. Disappointing to say the least, uh, certainly not something that we wanted to see. And and like I said, not something that I I don't think you could find very many people at all who expected the Dolphins to lose this game. Uh, I, I I thought maybe the Dolphins might have a hard time as you sort of read my thoughts out on the last episode. I thought there was a chance that the Dolphins would would get hit in the mouth a little bit at the beginning and they would have to bounce back. And they did, in fact, bounce back but they weren't able to bounce all the way back and they ended up falling just a little bit short. And we're going to get into all of that here in just a moment. But Brian, what what are your sort of initial takeaways on this game from from the Dolphins? I tried. I tried
1: so hard to restrain myself from buying in to this team because i knew all year long like i know every year that the second that i buy in is when this team is going to disappoint. And last week at look after they beat the Rams and the and the Cardinals, i was ready to buy in then. And i said, "Well, this feels, you know, we're going to play this game against the Chargers, we're coming off of a high The Chargers have been playing everybody close. You know, maybe this is the the game where the Dolphins slip up. And then they controlled it. And then it looked like the game was starting to slip out of control. And then they took control of the game. And I said, wait a minute. Maybe these guys are different. So now you're coming into a game against a Broncos team that's really been awful. A quarterback that's thrown more interceptions than touchdowns. A team that's given up 30 points in back-to-back games. And, you and you know, for the first time all year, I said, no. It, this Dolphins team is for real. They're going to take care of business. <sighs> Same old Dolphins. I mean, literally. I mean, the second you buy in, the second I bought in, this happened. I tried to restrain myself. But the second that I bought in and I let my guard down, they same old dolphin.
0: This was, I think, in very many ways, a kind of same old dolphins result. Uh, I'll give you that much. I'm not prepared to say that these are, in fact, just the same old dolphins. We'll see. We'll see if they're the same old Dolphins. I still think the trajectory is trending in a a very good direction, even though this was obviously a very disappointing performance. And we're going to get into all of that as we normally do. We're going to break down the good, the bad, and the ugly from this game in Denver. And unlike the past several weeks, there is a lot of bad and ugly to go around. So, we're going to talk a little bit about that coming up. But before we do, a reminder if you are not already, to make sure you are following us on Twitter. I am at Amplified to Rock. He is at Aaron the Brain. That's at Aaron the Brain. At Same Old Dolphins is the show Twitter account. And of course, we're on Facebook.com slash Same Old Dolphins as well. So, you can give us a like over there. And we invite you to download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't done so already, we appreciate everybody that has done that. You can also find us on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you can get podcasts. You can find the same old Dolphin Show. And if you uh, have a podcast platform that we are not available on, let us know. And we'll uh, do what we can to make sure that we are available on that platform for you. And finally, last but certainly not least... Make sure that you are visiting DolphinsTalk.com each and every day for all the latest Miami Dolphins news and information. It is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. A lot of great podcasts and articles going up on DolphinsTalk.com every single day. Oh my gosh, I almost forgot about YouTube. We're on YouTube now. That's where some of you are watching us right now. Hello, YouTube. It's it's always good to see you. Um, If you are not on YouTube yet, head over to YouTube.com. Do a search for Dolphins Talk YouTube and you will find us. Smash that subscribe button. There's going to be a lot of good content coming up uh, over there on the YouTube page. So make sure that you're following us over there. All right. So typically with our uh, post-game shows, we we, we do our good, bad, and the ugly, and typically we start with the good. We're not going to do that today. Today we're going to end with the good because this was a a tough game, and so we want to make sure that we're ending on a high note for you today. So we're going to end with the good, and we're going to start with the bad. And uh, listen, there's no two ways around it. If we're going to talk about the bad, Today, we got to talk about Tua Tungabailoa. We got to talk about the rookie quarterback because he had a very tough time in this game. And not all of it was his doing, but a lot of it was. And we've got to talk about that because he was struggling to find reads down the field. And it just seemed like he looked every bit the rookie quarterback today. He was having a hard time making reads. He was looking shaky back there, holding onto the ball too long, a problem that he acknowledged himself. And granted, he didn't have a lot of time. The offensive line did not help him out a lot today. But, but this was a struggle for Tua. It was, it was not a very good game from Tua. So before we get to the other part of this conversation, Brain, your thoughts on the three quarters of Tua Vailoa that we got to see in this game at Denver.
1: It it was rough. Uh, You know, he he didn't have a lot of time to throw, but when he did have time, uh, you know, he he made some really nice passes where the the accuracy was on display. But then he also made some passes, made some throws where maybe, you know, he he had to move a little bit inside the pocket and you you saw a little bit of his good pocket presence. But then, you know, one of his strengths... Coming out of college, one of the reasons that he was considered an elite prospect was his deep accuracy, his deep ball. And, I mean, it was off. All game long, it was off. It was off at the beginning, on the first drive, on back-to-back throws, where, you know, you know, on one of them, he he throws a deep ball. uh, I believe it was to Devontae Parker that gets overthrown. And then a couple plays later, he kind of shifts up in the pocket runs like he's got and you know takes off as if he's going to run but before he gets to the line of scrimmage catches makes the correct read I mean he the question is could he have picked up the first down by running that was debatable but Jakeem Grant gets behind his man because of Tua's mobility and the corner respecting that and if Tua puts the ball on the money it's at worst a 30-yard catch and at best uh, you know a touchdown so, uh, you know, it, it's hard to get on him for the read, but what you can get on him for is that's a throw that he's expected to make. That's the kind of throw that you, you drafted Tua to make. And so when he misses that and he missed on a few other deep throws, uh, he missed on a, you know, a crossing pattern that, that kind of sailed and was overthrown a bit. It just looked like everything was overthrown a bit and he was just off and look i i'm not going to make excuses uh i i wondered while i was watching it whether or not the altitude had some effect on that and maybe just a you know an inexperienced playing at that altitude could maybe cause every throw to be overthrown um so i i think there maybe there's something there but at some point you got to adjust to it and you still got to make the plays and Regardless of that, his biggest problem wasn't those throws. His biggest problem were the plays where he did not let go of the ball, where he just simply held on to the ball too long, uh, was afraid to make the mistake. Um, heck, and I mean, this is the third game in a row where Tua comes out of the game where he did not turn the ball over. He did not throw an interception, but... He, he, he pretty much did, but he got bailed out. Uh, you know, he threw an interception on the Dolphins touchdown drive that got called back because of a defensive holding, uh, you know, further on down the field. Uh, and so it, it just simply was not a good game by Tua. He also looked hesitant to kind of escape the pocket. I would say that, you know, part of, you, you, you know, when your offense has a game like this, And frankly, when the team has a game like this, it's never one guy. And Tua played poorly, but there was blame to go around everywhere. It's not just Tua. It's not just the offensive line. Chan Gailey didn't have a great game plan in this game. I think the the fact that they were that the Broncos continued to put pressure on on Tua, but we didn't really get him out of the pocket as much, and we know that. A strength of his game is what he does outside of the pocket. I thought that was a missed opportunity. So I think there was a lot of bad to go around, but look, bottom line, two has got to be better.
0: He absolutely does. Another, Another thing was he was rolling out to the right on those couple of times that he was rolling out when, as opposed to rolling out to the left, which is his natural side. It was a little bit weird, but yeah. And this isn't to say that he didn't have a have his moments. Again, I mean, the touchdown pass to Devontae Parker is an incredibly well-placed pass and a great catch by Devontae Parker. So, you know, there, there are glimpses of it, but this was largely a pretty disappointing performance from Tua. I think arguably his worst game yet. I, I, I might argue that it was worse than the performance, uh, against the Rams. And so, you know, it. I think it, it. it is what it is as far as the play calling goes because one uh, among the other things is Tua is used to having, you know, elite talent all around him on offense. When he was at Alabama, he had, uh, you know, and again, this isn't to go into excuses, but the Miami Dolphins are not a talent-rich offense. And, you know, they don't have a ton of skill. Done outside of Devontae Parker at wide receiver, they don't really have a lot of weapons. There, they've got guys. JaKeem Grand is a nice shifty player, but he's not a great wide receiver. You know, uh, Antonio Callaway. You know, he's he's there. We don't we don't didn't get to see a whole lot of him. But I mean, you know, uh, you know, Malcolm Perry is there. He's an undersized receiver. Um, again, these but these guys are struggling to create separation. And so when you when you have as little time as Tua had to pass the ball in this game. And 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 you've got receivers that can't be open right away and, and Tua's, you know, first read is not open, you're in trouble. And it's it's gonna be a rough situation. And so th- you know, he's there's not a lot of help there for him. And I think part of, that is part of the reason that why we're seeing such a sort of conservative game plan from Chan Gailey, you know, offensively. I think that's just what it's gonna be right now, because you can't go crazy with all kinds of, you know. Aggressive play calling when you don't have the talent to execute the plays, you know you you can have a great quarterback, but if they if you don't have the talent that can get open, um, it's a tough situation. Again, these aren't excuses for you know to to uh, you know say go easy on Tua. He had a rough game. It was it was a bad game for Tua, and there's there's no two ways around it. And we're gonna get into the thing is, because, and, and I tweeted this out after the game on Sunday, uh, you, I, you could be Tua's biggest fan in the world. You have to admit that this Dolphins offense looked a lot better when Ryan Fitzpatrick came into this game. And we're going to get into that right now, because Tua's bad performance led to him being removed from the game. He got benched following uh, the the last drive of the third quarter um, where... Uh, Tua was sacked for a nine-yard loss by Brandon Chubb. It was the sixth time in the game that he had been sacked, and at that point, the the Dolphins were down twenty to ten, and the the defense turns around and immediately holds the Broncos to a three and out, which is pretty significant given the the, the way the game had gone at that point, especially in the second half. The Broncos are up seventeen to ten at halftime or I'm sorry uh, 13 to 10 at halftime and to start the second half they go all the way down the field they drive down the field pretty easily and if not you know I for sure thought on a fourth and one that Denver would be taking the points to go up by six instead uh, Fangio elects to have his team go for it Dolphins do come up with a big stop on a fourth and one and promptly turn around and go three and out. And then the Broncos go on another nine-play drive to score a touchdown that puts them up by 10 points. And then you have this drive where uh, that ends with Tua getting sacked and removed from the game. And this is culminating after, uh, I th- I think there had been five three and outs or something like that at that point from the Dolphins offense. It, it hadn't been good. And so... And also there was this idea that maybe Tua had tweaked whatever his foot injury was that he was dealing with on the sack because he did get sort of bent in an awkward fashion after the game. Flores says, no, it was not an injury situation. It was just, I thought Ryan Fitzpatrick gave us the best chance to win the game at that point. Tua is pulled out. Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in and immediately the team looks very different. They look look sharp. Things are happening. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick seems to be seeing the field better, which makes sense that it's we, one thing that we know is that Ryan Fitzpatrick does see the field pretty well and two is still obviously working on that. Dolphins go eight yards or eight plays, 44 yards to go down the field to get a, to get a field goal to put them into striking distance. Then the Broncos go down, and it looks like the Broncos are going down to put the game away. They're up by seven at this point, and it, it really felt like they were going to go all the way down the field and score. And in fact, they were going to, but Andrew Van Ginkel makes a great play to force a fumble on the one-yard line from Melvin Gordon as the as the Broncos were about to score. Instead, the Dolphins recover the fumble at their one-yard line, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick has a chance to lead the Dolphins on a drive to tie the game. And he ends up throwing an interception in the red zone uh, and throws it into the end zone. Justin Simmons makes a great play, picks off the ball, and the Dolphins fall 20-13. to But Brian Flores makes the change, he says afterwards, because he thought it gave him the best chance to win the game. And quite frankly, he was right. He was proved right by making that decision. But now there's a lot of uproar over this decision uh, about whether or not it was the right thing to do to pull Tua at that moment. And and I have to say that I'm, I'm not going to kill Brian Flores over this decision. I don't think it's a bad decision. I like the fact, quite frankly, that he's holding Tua accountable. He's holding his quarterback accountable the same way that he's holding other people accountable. We've seen him bench players, offensive linemen, uh, running backs. We've seen him Bench somebody if they're not performing up to snuff. And I like the fact that, you know, Tua, you're having a rough game and, you know, you've been sacked six times. Right now, we need to pull you out of here because we've still got a chance to win this game. And we are, in fact, a team that is six and 6-3. They could, in fact, be making a run at the playoffs. And we're currently in a playoff position. So let's do what, what we can do to try to get a win in this game right now. And that's been Brian Flores' mentality the whole time. Remember, the whole thing about tanking, the whole thing about player development, Brian Flores likes to make moves that are going to help him win right now, and he's very in the moment about that, and that's what he tried to do, and it almost worked out. It almost worked out. It ended up falling a little bit short because, I mean, it was like um, that fourth quarter was a microcosm of living with Ryan Fitzpatrick you got him making nice passes, making getting Mike Gesicki involved and driving the dolphins down the field and it's all looking really good and then he throws the interception in the end zone, which is also just a signature Ryan Fitzpatrick move. Um so I, I can't kill Flores for that decision. I get why some people think he should have kept Tua in the game, but you know, for me it's he made a decision to help him to help this team move to 7 and 3 and when he made the decision it was still a possibility and at that point as far as taking your lumps goes there wasn't much left for Tua to do in this game he was having trouble dealing with the looks that that Fangio's defense was 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 presenting him with and the offensive line was struggling and you know I don't know how much more growth there was going to be in that game for Tua than there was in those first three quarters. So that's that's where I'm at with it. But Brian, what, what were your thoughts on Brian Flores making the decision to remove Tua Tungavailoa from this game?
1: Look, I, I agree with you. I think that he did what he felt was the... I, I agree with what he said. I believe what he said. He went with the guy that he felt was going to give him the best chance to win the game in the fourth quarter. And... They tried to win now. They tried to do what they could do to win now. And what I'm asking is a few weeks ago, when you made this decision, you said that you went with Tua because that was the best decision for your team. And the second things got rough, you went and you, you went to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Why? Because you decided that Ryan Fitzpatrick gives you the best chance to win. So you need to make this decision. One, who gives you the best chance to win right now? And two, are you playing to win right now? Or are you playing to get Tua the exposure? Because when you make a move like putting Tua in there, and you don't go as far as saying... We're doing this because Tua gives us the best chance to win right now, which is the easiest thing that a coach can say. And, and you know, Brian Flores has it in his vocabulary because there it was as his excuse, as his reasoning for putting Ryan Fitzpatrick in, but he didn't do it. He didn't, he didn't lean on that platitude when it came to making the decision to make Tua the starter. So. It tells me, it go, go back a few weeks to our episode when we talked about uh Tua being named the starter. And I said, this is a Brian Greer, I mean, this is a Chris Greer decision. And Brian Flores had a tough time with this decision because it is the coach's job to look at the present And try to win now. And it's the GM's job to project into the future and worry about the future. And that was the split that they had. And they ended up going with Tua. But I thought it was curious that he brought Chris Greer into the into the press conference as far as bringing up Chris Greer in the decision making process. It wasn't a Brian Flores decision, as far as I'm concerned, and this confirmed it because the second things got tough and he needed to make a change and he needed to be at he needed to ask himself the difficult question of which quarterback gives me the best chance to win this game right now. He went with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you said it yourself. Look, you watch the game. The offense looked better with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because Ryan Fitzpatrick is a 16-year veteran. And it's going to take time for Tua to pick up this offense. So, if you're making the decision based on who gives you the ch- the best chance to win right now, the answer is always going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick this season. Well,
0: so, I, I don't know about that. I Listen... I I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Totally and completely understand it. But this was a game where Tua had been looking at this defense and and the stunts and the twists that that uh, Fangio's defense had been bringing at him at that offensive line all day long, and we and and the adjustment wasn't coming. So it made sense in that moment to take Fitzpatrick out and let him finish the game, because obviously the change wasn't going to happen. You weren't seeing it. There was going to need to be some coaching. There was going to need to be a conversation. So it made sense to bring in Fitzpatrick for this game. And the bottom line is, the other thing is now, after Fangio's defense put that on tape, and Tua put that performance on tape, you can bet your bottom dollar that the New York Jets are going to be bringing very similar looks next week when the Dolphins head to the Meadowlands. And Tua is the quarterback again. Right, and here's
1: the question. Here's the question. Is when this happens again, and I'm not saying it's going to happen against the Jets. It could. I'm not saying it's going to happen against the Jets. I'm not saying it's going to happen against the Bengals. Uh, But at some point, it's going to happen again. And it's probably going to happen this season. At some point, the Dolphins are going to be behind in the fourth quarter of a game. And Tua will be struggling. And at that point, is Brian Flores going to once again go to his security blanket in in Ryan Fitzpatrick? Because, look, I, I am a believer that, look, I have no problem, like you said, Tua was having a bad game and it didn't look like the adjustment was coming. You've got a serviceable backup in, in Ryan Fitzpatrick, some would argue a better backup quarterback at this juncture in time as your backup quarterback and you you go with the guy you you go with your reliever you bring it you say look the starter doesn't have it today we're bringing in the bullpen I totally get that and I agree but you do that once okay but does this become a pattern because I see a lot of Dolphin fans, you know, when we're watching the game on Sunday, and they're comparing it to David Woodley and Don Strock in the eighties, and and you know, first off, we we expect Tua to be a lot better than David Woodley because we drafted him fifth overall. But you, David Woodley, by all accounts, if you if you talk to him, you talk to Joe Rose, who was David Woodley's roommate when he was with the Dolphins, he'll tell you that while it kind of worked for the Dolphins that one season, David Woodley was a mental wreck because he knew that every time he struggled and the team was behind, he was getting pulled from the game. And you could do this once, you maybe could do it twice, but if it becomes a pattern the last thing you want is your young developing quarterback to think that if he has a bad game or if, if he makes, if he has a couple of bad series that he's looking over his shoulder because he's going to get the hook. Uh, look, I don't have a huge problem with it in this game. Again, uh like it, it's a one-time thing, but if this is a pattern over and over and over again, like this, this could, this could, this could be disastrous. Well, for and, the
0: and, development of Tua to Tonga I agree. I, I I agree with that, but it's not a pattern yet. It's something that happened one time, and I and quite frankly, my thought, you know, another aspect of this, whether Flores wants to admit it or not, is that Tuba was playing with some sort of injury, I mean, he he no sold it afterwards. He said he wasn't hurt, but the man was sacked six times and that factors into it. It especially factors into it and I'm not saying that you know, what happened in Cincinnati had anything to do with the decision to pull Tua from this game. I don't think it does. I don't think it had anything to do with it. And obviously what happened in Cincinnati, if you're if you were not aware somehow, is that, well, it actually happened in Washington, but Joe Burrow uh, had a season-ending injury. his uh, tore his ACL and MCL uh, on a hit. Um, but this was a game where Tua has been hit over and over again and struggling with that. And if if there's no adjustment there, there's no point leaving him out there to continue to get beat up as the game goes along. So I think this is this presents an opportunity for Tua is going to spend all week looking at what happened. He's going to spend all week looking at the tape of what happened in this game. And I I you know I think the Dolphins can realistically expect that the next time this comes, because this is one of the things, you even said it yourself, one of the things about Tua is his mental game is very strong. That's one of the reasons that he was a highly recruited quarterback prospect because of the fact that he has the, the a strong mental ability. And so I think that you're going to see some improvement from Tua the next time he's dealing with something like this. And he's not going to be dealing with a pass rush the likes of what the Denver Broncos are bringing him, uh, you know, every week. Uh, but... That's not to say that he won't face challenges, but you know, I think this is going to be a learning experience for him and he, he's going to grow from it. And if he doesn't grow from this, and if we go and we see this again and, and we see him continue to struggle, then maybe there's cause for concern. And then that's something that the organization learns from. And that's part of the reason that he re- is going to remain your starter. Um, and so that's something that we're going to, continue to evaluate. It 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 listen, this was a, a rough situation, but again, I'm not killing I'm not killing Flores for it. He he did the best what was in the best interest of his team in this moment. He also protected Tua, you know, without needlessly keeping him out there. Um and listen, he was almost proven right. He almost ended up getting the win with Ryan Fitzpatrick anyway. So I think this is certainly a red flag that we need to keep our eyes on. And we'll, we'll see as the season progresses, how well does Tua do when the pressure is on him like it was on Sunday? And I got news for you based on what this offensive line looked like on Sunday. Uh, it may very well continue that way. And that's going to take us to our ugly segment. And because I think it's it's a very natural segue, and the ugly from this game is, far and away, the poor performance of this offensive line. I don't know that there was anybody on the offensive line that really had a good game. I guess Ted Karras was okay at center, but I mean, everybody else was getting abused. Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, Solomon Kindley before he before he got hurt and left the game uh Eric Flowers I mean this offensive line was shredded and you got to give credit to the Broncos Vic Vangio is a great defensive mind and he uh, he he spent his team is coming off a bye here and they knew what was they knew what they wanted to do and he had his players ready and they just absolutely tore this off Dolphins offensive line apart all night long, all right. and it was, I mean, it was ugly in every sense of the word, Brain. Yeah, it was
1: really, really bad, and it was really disappointing because this offensive line, uh, even though it's had its moments over the past few weeks against some good defenses where they they've looked less than stellar, I thought they put in one of their best performances of the year last week against the Chargers. And even though this is a good Broncos defense, it's not a great Broncos defense and it's not a Broncos pass rush, uh, that is, you know, much better or, or even better at all than some of the pass rushes that this Dolphins defense or Dolphins offensive line has seen this year. I just think that they got out schemed in this game. They got out schemed and they got outworked. And that's, I think, the first time that, that's happened to this Dolphins offensive line this year. And frankly, I mean, I know we want to stick to the offensive line because that's the theme of this segment is the ugliness of the offensive line. But. You know, I don't want to give the Dolphins' defensive line a pass because we didn't really mention them as far as the bad and the Dolphins' inability to stop the run, particularly every time the Broncos ran to the right side. Uh, the Dolphins were seemingly giving up chunks of yardage. That was pretty ugly, too. And by and large, I thought on both sides of the ball, the Dolphins got out-schemed, and outworked in this game. And I thought that's the first time this has happened since week 2. Uh when we played Buffalo where I thought that the opposing team just looked like they they had a decided advantage over us. Uh because I didn't even think that was the case when we played Seattle even though Seattle is is you know, objectively, a much better team than the Miami Dolphins, but I felt Miami was in that game and and went toe to toe against Seattle, and you never really felt like they were overmatched. But against New England and Buffalo in the first two games of the season, you got that sense. And the the thing about the about that is is that you know there are things about the way that those two teams play that would lead you to not really be surprised, especially the early part of the season where you got a young Dolphins team that's gelling together. It's extremely disconcerting that considering how far into this season we are, how well this Dolphins defense and offense had been playing as far as, you know, having a good scheme, uh, being disciplined, doing all of the fundamental things correctly, the fact that they would all fall apart Against a team that really isn't good and had no business overmatching them is extremely disconcerting, and it's extremely same old Dolphins. Uh, It's the it's the reason why I'm very concerned about this team going forward. Not. You know, in the future, because I think the future is obviously very bright for this team still. But as far as where this team is this season, come January, come playoff times, does this team make a playoff run? Losing a game like this is the kind of game that you look back at the end of the season when you go nine and seven and you miss the playoffs by a game and you say, we didn't make the playoffs because we didn't show up in that game that we should have won. Uh, and this was a very, Again, this was the very same old Dolphins performance, because again, this was not expected. They were, everything looked good, and the second you bought in, it all came crashing down. Uh, This was a terrible game, by and large, by the the team top to bottom. There were good performances sprinkled in there, Uh, but, but in general the the Broncos really destroyed Miami in the trenches. The, the Dolphins offensive line and the Dolphins defensive
0: line had terrible games. They, they really did and the Broncos took advantage of the fact that the Dolphins struggle against the run and they also happen to have a pair of very good running backs and you know, it's very easy to forget because you look at their stat sheet this year and they're, they're very underwhelming. And a lot of that is because the Broncos have been behind a lot this season. Um, and so it's very easy to forget that Philip Lindsay and, and uh Melvin Gordon are very good running backs and boy, they uh, certainly expose that Dolphins defense today. We know the Dolphins have had problems against the run and luckily they haven't been going up against, you know, top tier running backs, but, Boy, they sure they sure did today. They sure did in this one, and it was, you know, it was it was real problematic. I mean, really, again, you know, look at it. Like, I guess when you look, the last team the Dolphins played that had top tier running back, I don't know that they've they've played one yet. I guess the Bills had uh, Singletary and Moss. Uh, the Jaguars have James Robinson, but the Dolphins. You know, we're, we're beating up on the Jaguars in that game to the fact, to the point where the Jaguars couldn't really run the ball. And I guess the Patriots ran all over the Dolphins, but I I think that I'm hesitant to take too much from that week one game because nobody had any idea what they were going to expect. And the Patriots came out looking very different than what we would have expected them to. But anyway, yes, the run defense continues to be a problem and it was certainly exposed in a big way, uh, against Denver. So the defensive line, was ugly. A lot of the defense was ugly. A lot of players had had a hard time defensively, and the offensive line, as we mentioned, it was pretty ugly. A pretty ugly affair. Um, pretty ugly all around. And you know, as as we mentioned, the Dolphins really just got punched in the mouth. In this one, and it was surprising. How much did the altitude have to do with that? I don't know. Would it have been better if Christian Wilkins was was available and the Dolphins could have rotated a bit more on the defensive line and maybe mitigated some of that altitude fatigue? Maybe, but you know, it it is what it is. I you're, think you're just in general, athletes. having
1: Christian Wilkins would have helped. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, having Christian ha- having Wilkins would- having him and I think. You know, as a guy that, you know, is is one of the better run defenders on the team, uh, when you're struggling to stop the run, I think having Christian Wilkins in there would have helped.
0: Absolutely. So it was just kind of ugly in general. And as speaking on the offensive line, as ugly as that was, uh, it might even be uglier on Sunday because Jesse Davis has now been added to the COVID list uh for the dolphins as of as of today. So um uh, as we're recording this on Monday evening. So lots lots uh up in the air and a lot of room for improvement for the Dolphins as they head into their next game against the New York Jets. So when we're gonna take uh we're gonna we're gonna take just a second here and we'll we'll talk about the good in this game and and the good stuff to talk about because there is some good stuff to talk about and we're gonna do that. But first brain It's important that I tell you that if you are looking for the ultimate stocking stuffers for this holiday season, you need to look no further because our sponsors, Manscaped, have the tools to make you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is the only brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene products. And great news... And this is great news because when I did a roll call before the game on Sunday, we had fans all over the world. Dolphins fans watching the Dolphins from all over the world. The great news is they just released their products across Europe, Canada, and Australia. So if you live down under, you can now take care of yourself down under with Manscaped. And you know, it's winter now. And I don't know if you have this problem in... in South Florida brain, but here, you know, my, my, my three-year-old son has a, has a variety of um, athletic equipment, you know, he's got like a basketball and a football and, you know, and during the summertime, all that stuff lives in our shed. But if you leave the balls in the shed over the winter, it's a very bad situation. They get all deflated. Sometimes they can they can expand with the frozen air and, and you know, they can pop. And, and that's no good. Your balls are not well taken care of in the shed in the wintertime. So what you need to do is take care of your balls in the wintertime. So what we do is we take the athletic equipment and we put it in the basement of the house where it's, you know, the climate is a little bit more under control. If you want to take care of your balls, obviously, you're not going to put your balls in the shed. You're not going to put your balls in the basement. But you can use Manscaped, Manscaped to help you take care of your balls. It's a good situation. And you know what? Some of their products are prime for stocking stuffers. So if you're looking for a stocking stuffer for dad or your brother or your boyfriend or your husband, uh, they've got some products that that do a really good job for that. So the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. You got the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, which is a spray-on toner. A spray-on toner that'll give your balls just a little slice of heaven with aloe vera. And Hazel Extracts. Hazel Extracts, brain. You, you, you know, I don't, I, listen, I don't know about you, but you got, to. I think, having some Hazel Extracts on your balls, you know, pretty good. <laughs> it's a nice For, touch. It's a, it, it is a nice touch to tone your balls. They got the Crop Cleanser Body Wash. And listen, if you're not home and, you know, something happens, inspiration strikes and it's unexpected, you can get the Crop Mop Ball Wipes. They've also got the foot de- uh, duster, foot deodorant. So not everything is for your, uh, you know, your stuff. You've also got your foot duster, foot deodorant. You got the shears 2.0, which is a uh, a four piece nail kit, so you can take care of your nails. You know, have nice fingernails. You don't know, get the calluses and the, and the, the uh, what are what are they. Uh, Hang nails, hang nails, cuticles, yeah, yeah, you, you don't want any of that. And then you got the weed whacker, which is your nose hair and ear hair trimmer. And then, of course, the, you know the big thing is that the lawnmower three point which is the trimmers that are you're using those for everything downstairs. But as we found out, if you you know some people use it in other places, use it for your your haircut, you can your armpits, you know, whatever. Your chest, if you're into that, you know. If you're if you're a you know a big burly bear, you can shave your back too with the with the um, the lawnmower 3.0. Anyway, uh, the the thing is, you can get twenty percent off your order at Manscaped.com if you use the promo code dolphins talk. So head over to dolphins or don't head over to you can go to dolphins Talk.com, but go to manscape.com and uh, enter the promo code dolphins talk after you put the items in your cart and you will save 20% off your order and you will get free shipping. Um so whether whether you're doing it for your 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 partner, your dad, your brother, your friend, get them something that they're actually going to use and quite frankly, you're probably going to get a laugh out of it too. So that'll be a good thing to do. It's a, it's a good gift to give. Everybody needs gifts. Sometimes you, you don't know what to get for, you know, the men in your life. This is a good idea. You go to Manscaped, use the promo code Dolphin Save 20% off your order, get free shipping, and you can be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. Let's talk about the good, Brain. Let's talk about the good. There is some good. Uh, among the good things, Jason Sanders continues to just be a monster, kicking 50-yard field goals, 40-yard field goals. doesn't matter what length it is. He's going to kick it, you know. So I that's probably a rough thing to say right after the Manscaped ad. But regardless, Jason Sanders is, is a monster. He's great. Matt Hawk was good. In this game, uh, who else had some good performance? Devontae Parker, Devontae Parker had a good game. Antonio Callaway got involved, caught a pass, one reception for 13 yards on a third down, no less. So it was nice to see him get involved. That's a good thing. What else? What are some? What are some of the other good? I in this honestly, game?
1: I. Yeah, I honestly thought that Xavier Howard had a really good game. It wasn't just the interception, but uh basically going stride for stride with Jerry Judy for the vast majority of the game. I mean, he gave up a couple of catches. In the, in the stat sheet, you're going to show up as like, what, like a 50-yard catch there at the end of the game on a basically a meaningless play. uh But... But I thought Xavier Howard played well. I thought Byron Jones played well. I thought the corners in general, uh, it wasn't a great game for Nick Needham. I thought he got picked on a little bit. I thought when when Denver sort of picked up uh the Dolphins blitz schemes a little bit and did a good job to kind of max protect and and not allow the Dolphins blitzers to get to to drew Locke, uh, and they had man coverage. I thought they picked on the, you know, they got speed matched up, whether it was Hamler or Judy or even Patrick, uh, they got those guys matched up on Nick Needham. And that was uh, a mismatch and they took advantage of, but I thought Byron Jones and Xavier Howard were, you know, their regular dominant cells, Bobby McCain, it didn't seem like gave up anything deep. So there was nothing new there. Uh, You know, Eric Rowe, I guess Noah Fant had a, had a few big catches, but it's not like he was, you know, going off. So it was another, you know, Eric Rowe was all over the place. I thought the secondary as a whole played a decent game. The big problem was that the Dolphins could not stop to run, which was more on the, the defensive line and the linebackers in the secondary. But like you mentioned, Devontae Parker, I thought had a great game. Uh, the touchdown catch, uh, on the fade route was a relatively high degree of difficulty. He had a few very high degree of difficulty catches, including a few that were on third downs in big time situations. And I, I think he's just proven himself as a very reliable receiver and a guy that even when he's not open, he's open because he's just that good. And that's, that's one of the things that, um, That Tua talked about in the press conference as one of the things that he, he took away from watching Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, play the game is that Ryan Fitzpatrick threw the ball and he said, you know, sometimes Fitzpatrick would throw the guy, throw the ball to guys who were covered, but they weren't covered. And that's kind of, you know, it at this level you're not always going to have guys that are running two, three yards away in separation. You've got to anticipate. You've got to throw them open sometimes. And sometimes you just got to take a one-on-one matchup and put the ball in a place where only your guy can get it and hope he makes a play. And by and large, Devonte Parker, when he's, been given that opportunity this year. He's made that play. So Devontae Parker continues to be really, really good. I don't know if he's like, you know, an elite wide receiver, but he's a very, very good wide receiver and he continues, uh, to show off his skill set, uh, week in and week out. And, uh, I think he's just, He's just getting better. Look, numbers wise, he might not put up the numbers that he put up last season when all of a sudden he might because we don't have Preston Williams here and he could have, he could be looking at a monster second half. But even if he doesn't, I would say Devontae Parker looks more seasoned and looks has been more impressive this year, especially playing through the injuries he's had than he was even last year, which was his breakout year. So I thought a really nice game by Devonte Parker and one other guy that I, I think has been an unsung hero on this team. Uh, but he continues to kind of show up every week and we don't always talk about him. In fact, we never talk about him and that's Clayton Fedulum, who is an absolute beast on special teams. I love in that kick coverage. Uh and 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 I mean the special teams look, this was a bad game by the offense and it was a bad game by the defense, but the special teams still showed up in this one. And the Dolphins special teams is still elite. There's unquestioned uh elite uh special teams and in my mind still the best special teams unit in the National Football League. And as bad as this game was on offense and defense, it did nothing to uh to uh dissuade me from thinking that the this uh Dolphin special teams unit is still the best in football.
0: Absolutely. And I I, I agree. I agree with all of that. I, I think that the special teams is continuing to be very, very strong and continuing to put the Dolphins in position to to stay in these games. And and it that was again the case on Sunday. As far as other good things, here's here's a big one a big takeaway because i listen i get it if, when you're a dolphin fan you've been so we've been so used to losing that you feel like losing this game especially in the way that we did because it was kind of a bad performance by in so many aspects it, it is that very familiar feeling a way that we have felt for a lot of the past several years watching this team but I think there are reasons for optimism and that's one of the good things. First is, a, is, is the immediate thing. The Dolphins obviously need to bounce back. They need to bounce back from a very disappointing performance against the Broncos. And the good news is that the Dolphins are bound, have the opportunity to bounce back with games against the Jets and the Bengals. And if the Dolphins win those two games, they find themselves 8-4 and four coming into the final four games of the season. And... I mean, if you had told me at, in 2019 when the Dolphins were uh, you know losing every game and getting blown out of the water every week that next year your team is going to go into week 14 with an 8 and 4 record with an opportunity to make the playoffs, I'd have bit your hand off. If you told me at the beginning of this season that the Dolphins would have been eight and four. I would have bit your hand off. Uh, The the Dolphins are still where they are, and they are still ahead of schedule in the overall big picture here. And this is still a good situation. And it's, listen, they've got an opportunity to bounce back. And the other part of this is when you looked at this Dolphins schedule at the beginning of the season, you saw in a row, you saw this sort of six game stretch of Dolphins Rams, Dolphins Cardinals, Dolphins Chargers, Dolphins Broncos, Dolphins Jets, Dolphins Bengals. And I think probably the most optimistic among us would have said if the Dolphins came through that stretch four and two, you'd have been pretty happy. You'd have been pretty happy with the Dolphins going four and two in that stretch. Meanwhile, the Dolphins have an opportunity to win their next two games and they could go through that stretch five and one and go into the final four games of the season with an eight and four record and still with an opportunity to make the very good shot of making the playoffs and a a good chance to make to win the AFC East as well. Obviously, we can't control what Buffalo does, but we can control what we do. And, you know, we know for a fact that all things being equal, if the Dolphins You know, get to that week seventeen game against Buffalo, and they are still one game behind the Bills. It is on. It it is. It won't. The AFC East will be settled by then because it won't matter because the the Bills haven't lost the game in the division yet. But well, I guess that would depend
1: on who who the Bills would lose to at that point.
0: Well, I'm saying if the Bills, if, if 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 yeah, I mean, okay, sure, but I mean, the in order for the What we really want is to go into that game with the same record as the Bills. That's what the Dolphins want. That's how that game is most likely going to be for the AFC East crown. But in order for that to happen, the Bills would need to lose two games in the division first. They would first need to lose to the Patriots and the Bills or the Jets. Or the Patriots or the Jets. And, you know, I... Maybe they'll lose to the Patriots, but I don't also see them losing to the Jets. I just don't see it. But um, at any rate, th- and then if if they, if they have lost to the Patriots and then they lose to the Dolphins, so that would be their second division loss. But then there's all kinds of other tiebreakers. I, I don't want to get into those permutations until we're there. What I'm saying here is the Dolphins are in a very good position right now. We're seeing, we saw in this game that this is a young team, an inexperienced team. And... You know, sometimes a young, inexperienced team is going to come out flat. Heck, sometimes a, a, an old, experienced team is going to come out flat. It happens in the National Football League. But now the Dolphins are presented with an opportunity to bounce back in a big way and move forward. And I, listen, I, I, and I, I still think the future is really bright for this team. You know, they've obviously, you know, listen, If we, if what we saw in Denver continues to reveal itself, and we, we see these shortcomings getting exposed and the Dolphins can't make an adjustment, then that's a different conversation. But as of now, I have every every reason to believe that one stinker of a game in Denver of all places is not reason to, to abandon ship and, and to start freaking out that, that it's all falling apart. It is not all falling apart. Keep your feet planted firmly on the ground. This is going to bring us back to Earth a little bit. Everybody was, we, I think we were all having, you know, delusions of grandeur that this team was going to go on to big and great things. And, you know, I know some people are, oh, the Dolphins are on fire. They're an outside, you know, a sleeper Super Bowl pick. Pump the brakes on that a little bit, okay? <laughs> but this is still a good team. This is still a good team, and they are still... In position to make a run here. And that, I think, is a very good thing. Brain, anything you want to add before we wrap here? I
1: I agree. I think the most positive thing right now going for this team is that uh, the schedule. <laughs> at least these next two weeks. I, I think, look, I don't want to get ahead because, look, it was just a week ago or a few days ago that, that I was talking about and we were talking about how this team had the potential to, to be looking at nine and three and how amazing that would be. So I don't want to sit here and, and talk after the most disappointing game of the season and talk about, ah, it's okay. We'll be eight and four, even though you know, I kind of think that's going to be the case because look, at the end of the day, the Jets are the worst team in, in football and the Bengals, you, the, they're almost as bad. And the only thing that they had going for them was Joe Burrow. Uh, so the, the Bengals might be worse than the Jets right now. Uh, so there's literally no excuse to lose either of these next two games as, 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 as you know, as much as I, as underwhelming as the Broncos were, and as much as I thought the Dolphins should have beaten the, the Denver Broncos, the, the Broncos look like a playoff team compared to the Bengals and the Jets. Uh, so the Dolphins should be eight and four. Uh, so you, and and you got to feel good about that. And and look, at the end of the day, what you got to feel good about is that we really didn't think that this was going to happen. But the Dolphins are going to have their second opportunity this season to end the coaching career of Adam Gase. We really didn't think that that could be I can't possible. believe
0: you're actually under the impression that that they would fire him at this point. They're going to just let him stay until the season is over. They're going to let him secure the number one pick, and then they're going to get rid of him. Well,
1: you know, all we got to do is embarrass him to the point where he curses, off, curses out his boss, and, and then that's it.
0: It's all it 63 to nothing victory for the Dolphins on Sunday. That you would pretty. be
1: a bounce back. That would be a bounce back. And that would make every Dolphin fan feel really good, uh, you know, a week after this debacle uh, in Mile High or whatever they call this uh, stadium in Denver.
0: Yeah. Well, so listen, folks, this was a disappointing, disappointing game, but we're going to get past it. We're going to move on and we're on to the Jets. Because it's, uh, listen, it's, we hate the Jets. And now we get to go into Half the, the Jets. Jets. Yeah. And the the Jets are the perfect team for us to bounce back against. So uh, that's going to wrap us up here on this episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show. Before we sign off, Thanksgiving is coming up. We're not going to get a chance to talk to you again until after Thanksgiving. So I, I hope that everybody can have a safe and wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, we are thankful for all of you who, who listen to the show uh, every week and, and who watch us on YouTube. Hi, YouTube. How are you? We're thankful for you for you watching the show. Um, many reasons to be thankful. Thankful that the Dolphins are good. Um, and, and hopefully... Yeah, yeah, listen... We're still good. Uh, listen, we're going to recover. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm just I am I am thankful that I'm thankful for my brother who I get to do this podcast with, which is is really wonderful. And I'm thankful for uh, everybody. Mike, Tom, Biggie, everybody at DolphinsTalk.com. We're thankful for all of them. And uh think like I said, thankful for all of you who listen to the show as well so so thank you, enjoy, have a safe and happy and healthy thanksgiving uh please don't gather with that many people, you know, let's play it safe, play it smart um but enjoy you know stuff yourselves, go crazy, and uh, make sure you listen to the Thanksgiving episode of the Dolphins Talk Daily podcast. Uh, that Mike and Tom are releasing on Thursday morning. There's going to be some good, fun stuff there as well. Um, So that's it. That's going to wrap us up. We'll catch you after the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, We'll be recovered. We'll be bloated. But we will come back to preview the stinking, disgusting New York Jets right here on the same old Dolphin Show. So for Aaron the Brain... This is amplified to rock. This is Josh. We will talk to you again. Well, wow. I'm signing off like I was signing off the old podcast. That was that was crazy. It's been three, four years since we've done the old podcast. Take care of yourselves and each other. We will talk to you again next time. Bye bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Miami's got the Dolphins, the greatest
2: football team. We take the ball from.